Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope, that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Over the last uh, two weeks, we've been in a collection of talks called Will You Go to Church With Me? Will you come to church with me? How important that question is, a question we should always be asking. Because we know it's more than just coming to a building, it's more than just hearing live music. We know it's a place people can experience God in a truly life-changing way. We know it's a place people can make friends that rally around them, pray for them, and lift them up when they so desperately need it. And we know it's a place they can find purpose to know that they were created for a reason. And sometimes the only way people know that they can come to this place is because of us personally asking that question, will you come to church with me? Last week I shared with you that studies show that a huge percentage of people would simply come to church if they were invited. Now of those people who said they would come to church if they were invited, the ones that do, 80% of those come to church because the person that, was in, that invited them was a friend or a family member someone who is invested in their life. See, we can go out and hand cards out in the street. We can do that. We love that. We handed cards out yesterday. We, we provided free coffee at a local coffee shop for an hour, handed out cards. It was great. But it's when there's someone who they know, someone who's in their circle, someone who's walked through life with them or knows who they are, that when you hand them a card, when you ask them, will you come to church with me? Man, they say yes, and their life changes I know there's a lot of reasons, maybe not to, the fears that we have. But for today, I want to ask you a couple of questions in line with that will you come to church with me question. They're going to be up on your screen. Here's why it's so important to ask this question, because what if they do say yes? What could happen? What if they experience real community and love for the first time? What if the church renews their faith and hope in Jesus for the first time in a long time? What if they find their identity in Jesus Christ and now walk in greater confidence? See, the power lies within you and within the power of your invitation. Today, the title of the message I want you to write down is Sharing is Caring. Sharing is Caring. The very fact that we share with others about the Jesus that we know is proof that we care. We're still working with our three-year-old son, Shepard, on how to share. He's doing pretty good. Actually, I think the big idea for preschool this, this month is sharing. So we're teaching your kids well. But we're trying to get them to understand that, hey, buddy, sharing is a great way to show people that you care. Sharing is a great way to show people that they have value to you, that they matter to you. And for us, there's a story that God has written in our life that we can share that has power. And it's really amazing, and it's really powerful for us as well. In the very last book of the Bible, called the book of Revelation, there's this amazing verse in chapter 12, verse 11, that says this, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Now what does this verse say? Well, what's happening is, it's talking about the enemy, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him, the fact that he's always attacking us and trying to destroy our life. But what the writer of, the, of Revelation, John, says is that they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. Now, what is that? What we're talking about this week. 
that Jesus has stepped in to the journey to the cross, that on Good Friday, he shed blood, he gave his life for you and me, that on Easter, he walked out of that grave alive. Everything we have is because of Jesus. The salvation and relationship we experience with our Heavenly Father God is because of Jesus. I'm nothing without Jesus. I'm nothing without my wife, for sure. But I'm even more of a nothing without Jesus. And he's helped me overcome things that I had no business getting through. He's helped me walk through things that I felt like giving up yesterday, right? And we overcome by the blood of the lamb because it's the power of the sacrifice of Jesus, the fact that he's forgiven us and set us free and conquered death. Come on, if you're excited to celebrate that next week for Easter, give me a clap, give me a shout, it's good. Here's the second thing, though, that John is leaving us with. And by the word of their testimony. Turn to the person next to you, tell them your story matters. Turn to someone else you ignored and said, your story has power. Your story's got power. One of the best written stories is the one that you're living. One of the most important stories in all of existence is the one that you're living day in and day out. And you can overcome the enemy, situations, and problems in your life simply by sharing about what God has done and what you've seen God do and what you've heard God do. See, it's not as complicated as we make it out to be. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't got to memorize the Bible front to back. We don't even have to be in church every Sunday as much as we'd love that. You don't have to. But the way you overcome is knowing that it was all because of Jesus and then by sharing about that, that reminds you. It's what they teach you in school. When you, know, when you teach someone else about it, you learn it even better. When you tell someone, hey, Jesus came into my life and changed everything, it makes you that much more grateful. It reminds you how good he's been to you. It reminds you to be thankful, to remember that you were once this and now you're that, that your story matters, your story has power by the power of your testimony. Because what are we doing on Sundays? Well, write this down for me. We're here to help people meet Jesus. That's it. So that they can find healing, freedom, and a future with him. See, we're not here just to sing songs. We're not here to drink coffee. We're not here to look at cool things. We're definitely here to laugh and have a good time and leave encouraged and with value and life. But most importantly, we're here to help people meet Jesus. If it's your first time in church in a while, I want you to know today that Jesus' posture is not a finger pointed telling you all the wrong things you've done. His posture is, hey, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome home. And we just want to do whatever it takes to help you meet him today so that you can find healing, freedom, and a future. You're free today. You're healed today. And there is a bright future ahead for you. And we just simply don't stop talking about it, right? It's the one thing that I don't get tired of when people are talking about, right? I, I got to be honest, I have like a, a tolerance of when I'm like, okay, you've talked enough. Shh. When they're talking about Jesus and how he's changed their life, I could hear that forever. It's that good. It's that powerful. It's that, it's that amazing. I never grow weary of hearing it. We hear about the disciples, right? The guys that followed Jesus and began to bring the good news message of the gospel throughout the world. Well, in Acts chapter 4, it says this amazing thing in verse 18 through 20. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. You can do whatever you want. Just stop talking about Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? I want you to underline this last phrase for me. We cannot stop telling about everything we've seen and heard. I love this. The disciples said, okay, I mean, 
if we don't talk about Jesus, we can't talk about anything, because he's the only reason we're here. We've seen too much. We've heard too much great news to stop talking about it. That's the message I wanna give you today. It's to realize the stuff we talk about is more than just stories. It's significant, it's substantial, and it's powerful, and it's changed the world. And I can't stop talking about it because it is that good. It's why I get excited and passionate up here when I get to share with you on Sundays because I know that Jesus changed my life, he's changed yours, and he wants to change and impact the lives of the people outside of these walls. So I can't be quiet about it because you're not quiet about good things. Yeah, you can clap your hands for that because my wife clapped. It's good, it's good. <laughs> you got to support her too. Don't want her to feel left out. <laughs> the thing is though is that when we go to a great restaurant or watch a great show, the first thing we do is, man, you got to go here. Drop the five-star Yelp review. Say you got to check it out. You got to go. But the thing is we have access to something that is way better than any restaurant, way better than any show. We have access to the Savior of the world fact that he's impacted our life and asked nothing from us. As we pray today, would you write this last line down? Our greatest tool is our story. Our greatest tool is our story. Your story matters. Your story has power. But your story only has power when you share it, when you invite people into it, and you let God continue to, continue to do amazing things with it. Well, let's believe that today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we jump into the message? God, I'm so thankful for everybody here. I'm so thankful that you're a truly good God. And God, I'm so thankful that every single story in this place matters and has power today. God, I pray we would simply, we would listen and lean in today as we talk and have some conversation. God, I pray that we would write things down, that we would follow along in our Bibles or in the YouVersion app, and that your words would speak to us today. And we would find healing and hope and a future with you today. God, I pray for all our kids next door. Lift them up. Help them know how amazing they are. Even at a young age, they can experience your son Jesus in a real way. And God, we're just so excited for church today. And God, I'm praying for my Florida State Seminole basketball team that they're going to win this afternoon. Go to the Elite Eight, maybe the Final Four, and maybe win it all. Come on, Jesus. I'm lifting it up. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Come on, clap your hands if you're ready for the message today. Going to be a great morning. And yes, I do pray for sports here, and it's okay, because like I've seen this past year, God has answered them. I mean, I'm not going to say Champa Bay is just because the talent of the teams. Maybe it's because I've been praying week in and week out. I don't know, but I'm not going to stop. And I know the Florida State prayer is a big one, because woof, you know, they need some help. But it's okay. We're going for it, all right? Now, i got to be honest with you. I have, I have a struggle in my life I'm going to be honest with you about today, and that's, I struggle from this thing called, maybe you heard it before, I struggle from this thing called FOMO. Now, I didn't just swear at you. What that stands for is fear of missing out. The fear of missing out. I don't know about you, but when I see my friends hanging out, whether it's on social media or through posts they put up on their social media afterwards, I'm like, oh, yeah, why didn't I get invited? I, I, I didn't have any texts, no missed calls, no unread direct messages. Where was my invite, right? You have that fear that you're going to miss out. You always got to be at the things. You got to be at the parties. You got to be at the stuff. Because what if something great happens and I miss out, right? This is so funny within me sometimes that I'll be following like Instagram stories from my friends that I haven't seen in like seven or eight years. And I'm like, hey, they're all hanging out. Why didn't they invite me? Because the answer is I've never seen them in like seven or eight years. That's why, right? But there's that deep down thing if we want to be a part of something. We don't want to miss out on cool things that happen. 
It's why we got to go check out movies and shows before someone spoils it for us, right? It's why we want to be a part of the great things that are happening. We don't want to miss out. There is an intrinsic fear, I believe. Unless you're a person who's like, nope, I'm fine when I'm not invited. It's great. I get to sit home and I don't have to go out and see people. I'm totally fine with all of that, right? And all the introverts in the room said amen. But they won't say amen because they're introverts. Um, <laughs> but the fun thing is, is that, and the reality of it all is that I don't want to get on the other side of God doing something amazing and miss out on it. I don't want to get on the other side of a move of God in our church or in our city and miss out on it. I don't want to get to the end of my life and have all these thoughts and regrets of, man, did I miss it? Did, was God trying to show me something? Was God trying to do something? And I missed out and I wasn't able to participate in it because I was so worried about my circle, because I was so worried about my stuff. But I missed, out on a, I missed out on a chance to really advance the kingdom of God and make a difference. I saw a quote earlier this week from a guy by the name of Eugene Peterson. He wrote the, the message translation of the Bible. And he says this right here. The task is not to get God to do something I think needs done, but to become aware of what God is doing so that I can participate in it. I want you to know today you're a part of something greater. You're a part of something that's changing the world. You are a part of the local church, capital C church, that is moving and doing amazing, miraculous things here on this earth right now. There are stories within our church of things that doctors can't explain it, situations can't explain it, but God, that's what can explain it, and that's what you're a part of, and we simply invite you every single week to participate in it and not miss out on it. Today's the day to step into it. Today's the day to get those names and those faces on your heart of who can I ask that question? Who can I make sure is filling the seat next to me at Easter? Not because it's all about numbers, but because every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God, and every story is powerful to reach someone. I want to become aware of what God is doing. I don't want to sleep through my whole life. I don't want to focus just on me and mine my entire life. I want to realize I'm part of something greater. Now write this down for me. See, what we're talking about is the gospel, the good news message of Jesus. The most amazing thing about the gospel is that everyone has a place. The most amazing thing about the gospel is that everyone has a place. There is not one person that God looks at in all of existence and says, nope, not them. They don't belong. They don't have a place. There is not one person that we as a church look at and say, Nope, you're not allowed in. Sorry. No, because that's not the church and that's not the heart of God and it's not the character of Jesus that we see displayed. Every single event that you see in Scripture when it comes to the life of Jesus, almost all of them, is about Jesus going to hang out with someone that everyone else was like, whoa, Jesus. <laughs> Do you know who that person is? You're not supposed to spend time with them. We stay away from them. The Bible tells us that Jesus was literally called by the religious people a friend of sinners. Why? Because he knew sinners were the ones that needed to know about him. Jesus says this amazing thing in one of the chapters of the Gospels where he says, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick that do. See, sometimes the worst thing we can do as religious people is like to think we're okay. Oh yeah, I'm good, I'm healthy, I'm fine, I got life under control. One of the best things we can possibly always do is to remember where we were. 
See, Jesus goes to find the broken and hurting because they know they're broken and hurting. And they're so desperately looking for an answer, looking for a way out, looking for a solution. And Jesus, Jesus, when he was walking this earth, was letting people know they don't have to look anymore. He is here. God is here. Forgiveness, freedom, and healing, everything that you're looking for is here. And it's found in me. It's found in the fact that hope has a name. And that name is Jesus. It's here. That's what we're talking about. And so he would go to these people like Zacchaeus and Matthew, tax collectors who people hated, and says, hey, you belong here. Come follow me. He would go to people that had questions and doubts or people that had made, had made huge mistakes and were cast out in their sin, and he would say, you still have a place here. Everyone has a place in the kingdom of God. And all it takes is knowing who Jesus is, meeting him, and saying yes to him being in your life. Now, I love uh, some, some of these stories that I'm talking about, but I want to unpack one for you today. It's in John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. We see this amazing story of Jesus with someone who had been cast out by society. It's a man who was born blind, and we're going to see his story unpack right here. As he went along, talking about Jesus, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Now, we got to stop here. i got to give you context of why this is important. Number one, if someone was born blind back in the biblical culture, they believed that this person, either their parents had messed up big time, or somehow, this is actually what they thought, that this little baby before being born had somehow sinned in the womb. Crazy, but that's what they believed. And so they felt that because of the parent's sin or because of this very beginning innate sin, that this guy was born blind because of mistakes of his family. It was this weird thing that they, that they believed. Because they saw sin as a punishment. They saw as a sin-deserving punishment no matter what, which is true. But it's not in the way that God intended them to live by to look at people as less, to look at, look at people as broken, and to push them out and cast them out. So this guy was born blind. His whole life never had a place. His whole life he had to sit and beg and depend on other people. His own family even threw him out, feeling so isolated, so unaccepted. But this amazing story shows that Jesus has different plans. But I got I to, gotta for one second, just talk about what the disciples say, the disciples, the guys who follow Jesus. They've been following Jesus for nine chapters now, and they've seen some cool things. They've seen Jesus perform miracles. They've seen him teach about the love and power of God in ways no one ever had before. So they go by this blind guy, and their first thought is to say this. Hey, Jesus, why is this guy blind? I mean, who messed up? His parents? Am I right? Or was it him? I mean, come on. Why is this guy broken? Why is this guy blind? Obviously, someone really messed up. Now, I would think, now again, I'm not in the story, but I would think the disciples, after seeing Jesus perform incredible miracles, would say, hey, Jesus, there's a blind man who's been born blind. He's been hurting his entire life. Could we slow down and help him? Could we slow down and could you heal him? We've seen you do incredible things. He matters. He has a place in the gospel story. No, they want to have a debate about why this guy is messed up. See, the problem is sometimes we want to have debates and we want to have the answers to all the questions when Jesus is simply telling us to help people. Sometimes we want to have all the tools and all, all the knowledge that we need to share our story when Jesus says, hey, just by you sharing your story, just by you letting them know that they've, you're valued, they're valued in your eyes, sharing is caring, just by doing that, 
That's all we need to do. See, the disciples were worried about solving some sort of theological question. Jesus just wants to help the guy. In verse 3, it says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus is not saying that God created this guy blind so that he could heal him. What he's saying is that because of thousands of years ago, when the first ever humans, Adam and Eve, sinned and messed up against what God had asked them to do, they invited brokenness and sickness and disease and blindness into the world. We did it with our own mistakes that we make. And because of that, things happen. Bad things happen. That's why. But that doesn't mean that those bad things or those sicknesses or that, or that blindness is more powerful than the power of God. And so what we see happen here is Jesus says this is happening so that the works of God, even in the brokenness and darkness of this world, might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light, I am the light of the world. Would you underline verse 5 for me? While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I think this is great encouragement for us today. Because Jesus is saying, hey, we're going to have all eternity to talk about questions like this. We're going to have all eternity to talk and have conversation and dialogue about things. We only have a finite amount of time where we can help people meet Jesus, where we can see miracles happen. We only got a little bit of time where the light of the world can really shine in the darkness that we see. Because at some point, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to obliterate sin and death and evil once and for all. And we're just going to live in the light the rest of our lives. Because that's what Jesus is. So we got a little bit of time to make a huge difference with our lives. While I'm in the world, I'm going to be the light of the world. Jesus said that, so I'm going to start praying it myself. God, while I am in the world, help me be a light in every situation I find myself in. With my families, with my friends, at my job, in my neighborhood, at my church. Whatever I can do, God, I am going to be a light in the midst of the crazy darkness we see out in the world. You only got a little bit of time. We only have a little bit of time. And our story has power and our story matters to be that light to someone else. While I'm here... I'm making a difference. I'm not wasting any time. And I love what Jesus continues to say in verse 6. Look at this. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Now stop for a second. That's gross. All right? Like that was gross 2,000 years ago is gross today. All right? Jesus spit in some mud made a little like paste mud and put it on the guy's eyes. If I'm the guy... Keep in mind, this guy's never been able to see a thing. And this guy who they call Jesus, the son of God, comes up to him, stands right near him, and all he hears is like, <sighs> no, like I'm running the opposite direction if I'm the blind guy, all right? I want nothing to do with whatever is going on right there, all right? But the blind man's credit, been born blind, been broken and cast out his whole life, I'm sure he was willing to do whatever it takes to be healed. Verse 7, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. I love verse 7. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. What does it pretty much say? He simply did what Jesus asked him to do. Actually, what Jesus told him to do. He says, go, wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Now, this is very important historically. The pool of Siloam was the southeast corner of the city of Jerusalem, it was built by King Hezekiah, and it was really important because it literally brought water into the city. That's why it means sent. It was sending water into the city. 
It was this massive pool that had giant steps all around it that you could walk down into to fully immerse yourself. It was a beautiful representation of the cleansing water and power of Jesus. But there's two things we got to remember. Number one, this guy was born blind, so he was seen as a sinner. So he wasn't invited to partake in these rituals of cleansing and be around important city sites like the Pool of Siloam. Wasn't allowed to do this. But Jesus says, go do it. And he's like, okay, well, I'm just going to trust you because if it works, I'm going to be able to see. And that's all that matters right now. Second thing you've got to remember is it says, go wash the pool. It does not say, and Jesus led him there. It says, so the man went and washed and came home seeing. Meaning that he had to walk all the way to this pool blind. I don't know if you ever walked around with a blindfold. It's not easy. You're going to kick some things. You're going to fall. You're going to stub your toe. You're going to walk into a wall. You're not going to be able to see, which means he had to look a little goofy, had to look a little foolish. He probably had to ask for help. Hey, am I going the right way? To people that probably had wanted nothing to do with him. See, the thing is to get the amazing, miraculous things that Jesus wants in our life, we're going to have to look a little silly sometimes. We're going to have to keep asking someone over and over again, will you come to church with me? No. Will you come? Oh, no. For that one time, they may say yes. Because if they do say yes, we know that's the opportunity. That's the only, that's the, that's the only chance Jesus needs to move in their life. We've got to look foolish sometimes when we say no to things that everyone else is saying yes to by the way we live our life, by the fact that we give when it makes no sense and trust God in our finances, by the fact that we continue to pray and trust God even in the midst of difficult situations. We've got to ask for help. We've got to realize that sometimes we are walking around our life blind where we cannot see and we cannot figure out where to go. We need help. This guy didn't care about any of that. He knew that, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask for help because if it leads to healing, it is completely worth it. His neighbors and those who, so he's, he's healed, by the way. It says it in like three words. Just, you know, came home seeing, that's a miracle, all right? And it was a really powerful miracle. Because if you were born blind, it was seen as, again, it was from the source of sin. It wasn't one of these things where maybe you became blind from an accident and like, okay, man, you know, medicine could heal that. Born blind, no. Back then, no one could heal that except for God. Well, guess what God did? Healed the man to also show he not only has power over Sickness and disease over our lives, he has power over sin as well. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man? Wait, isn't this the same man who used to sit in bed? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. Never be ashamed of where you've come from. Never be ashamed of what God's done in your life. Because only when you're honest and open with what you were, can people see the life-changing power of what you are? Like, when I was, I, I've told you this before. When I was growing up, what, you know, the thing that Jesus moved me from was I was an insecure kid, full of anger. Didn't feel like I, I was accepted anywhere for no reason at all. I had an incredible family. I had friends. But even in a crowded room, I felt alone. But because of Jesus, when I, even though I felt alone, Jesus came into my life, and I knew I was a part of a family. I knew I was a part of his family and a part of his community. See, if I'm not honest with any of this other stuff, people can't see how powerful this is. Some of us got to be a little bit more open with where we've been hurt before. Some of us got to be a little bit more open with where we've messed up before so that people can see that there are second chances. There is healing. There is restoration. There is forgiveness. There is a God who shows up and makes a this was, now this is type thing in our life because that's your testimony. That's why your story has power. I'm the man. And here's what he says at the end. I love this. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus 
made some mud. I like that he doesn't say he spit to make this mud. And he put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Would you underline that last phrase for me? So I went and washed and then I could see. Essentially what he's saying, so I did what Jesus told me to do and I experienced a miracle. That is what's available to us today. I went and did what Jesus did, told me to, even though it was a little weird, even though it would have been hard, even though it was difficult, and now I'm experiencing a miracle, and you're visually seeing it. How was all that? That man was probably on the, his last line of willingness to live. But what happened? He had a moment with Jesus, and he found hope. And here's what's true about Jesus and true about hope, is that hope is unlocked when we have a fresh experience with Jesus. Hope is unlocked when we have a fresh experience with Jesus. Nobody opens their fridge and is like, oh, sweet, old food that has passed its expiration date. That's going to fill me up. It might fill you up, but it's going to taste horrible. See, the thing is, when we have a fresh experience, the Bible tells us that the mercies of God are new every morning. That God is a creator of, that he is a creator at heart, meaning he's always creating new things inside of you and for you to live in your life. And hope is unlocked when people have a fresh experience with Jesus. I want you to know this morning, Jesus wants to have a fresh experience with you. He doesn't want to have some old, bitter, moldy old message that maybe you've heard a hundred times before. He wants to say to you, no, I've always seen you, I've always been with you, I've never left you or forgotten about you. Even though you were born blind, even though everyone else has cast you out, including your family, I'm here right now and I want to help you. I'm here right now and I want to step into your story. I'm here right now and I want to do whatever I can to show you that I am who I say I am so that you can walk in the miraculous life I've created you for. Hope's unlocked when people have a fresh experience with Jesus. And the other thing I want you to write down is this, is that Jesus is present even when he heals far. This man couldn't see Jesus, he could only hear him. But what did he do with what he could do? Everything. So he listened to every word that Jesus said. Go wash, okay. You're doing the weird spit mud thing, that's okay, I'm listening. You're telling me to, to go to the pool, okay, I can, I'll, get, I can, I'll figure out how to get there. See, sometimes when you can, when you just do the only thing you can do, when those things are with Jesus, it leads to exactly what you need. Maybe sometimes, you know, we, we don't have the answers that we're searching for. We're not going to have all the answers today. But I know that God wants to speak to you this morning. I know Jesus wants to let you know that he's present in your storms. He's present in your problems. He's not as far off as you may feel. Because I promise, even though you may feel a hundred steps away from Jesus, he's always been right behind you. So every step you've taken this way, he's been right there. He's always been one step away. And that step is... You've always been there. You've always been with me. He's present and he's with you today. And I think one of the most freeing things I've learned in my life is that no matter what I do, no matter how difficult life may seem, Jesus is with me. No matter what. No matter what. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to know why or any of that. All I have to remember is that Jesus is with me. He is here. I lean into not the answer of why, but I lean into what is God trying to do right now? And what God was trying to do in the story with the blind man was to let them know that no one is just punished simply because of their sin. 
that Jesus has come to pay the punishment that no one else could pay. Jesus came to bear the burden that no one else could bear. He came to show people that he has miraculous power over not only blindness, but sin and death. See, we're celebrating in seven days that our God is alive, that our God walked out of the grave alive, forgiving us, setting us free, healing us and restoring us. When we pray in Jesus' name, it is not just some nice religious colloquial that we use. It actually falls on the heart of Jesus and he takes it to God who moves in his miraculous and creative power to move in our life. He's present, I promise you. But I love this blind guy, man. He's just one of my favorite people in the story of Jesus because people are coming after him, man. You ever feel like people are coming at you for no reason at all? They just don't leave this guy alone. People and the religious leaders, the religious leaders for sure, are like, who healed you? You know it's the Sabbath, right? That's not supposed to happen. Not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. How did this guy heal you though? You were born blind because of your sin. Who told you this? Who told you that? And the guy eventually just gets fed up because they bring his parents in who had also thrown, his parents had thrown him out of their house when they found out he was blind, I'm sure, even as a little kid. Wanted nothing to do with him. His parents are like, oh, yeah, this is, this, this is our son, but we haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> See, even when everyone's turned, your, turned their back on you, what Jesus has done in your life stays. It's resilient, it's strong. And they keep coming after this blind guy. Well, he's not blind anymore. They just keep coming after this guy who was once blind, asking him how this happened, what happened, what did Jesus say? And I love in John 9, 25, here's what the blind man says. He says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Would you underline the phrase, one thing I know? We don't have to know a lot. We don't have to know this book front and back. We don't have to know all the answers to the questions people are going to bring us. We don't have to know what's coming tomorrow. All we got to know is what has happened in our life because of Jesus. All this blind guy knew was that, yep, I was blind. You saw me right there for years, sitting and begging. And now you can see that I can see you. I'm not blind anymore. My eyes are opened. I am a walking miracle of God. That's all I know. I don't know anything else. But I knew yesterday I couldn't see, and today I can. What speaks power to people is your once I was this, now I'm this. Our creative team did this amazing thing on our Instagram today where they took pictures of people from our church and just pretty much asked them to answer that sentence. I was this, now I'm this. I was isolated, now I feel a part of the family. I was full of doubts, now I'm confident. I was full of fear, now I know God is with me. I was insecure, now I know I'm accepted. The important thing today is to know what your one thing is, and we all have it. We gotta be honest about it, we gotta be open about it, we gotta lean into it. And today as we close, here's the last thing I want you to write down, is I can't be quiet about how Jesus has changed my life. I can't be quiet about how Jesus changed my life. There was one last quote I wanted to share with you as we close from a theologian from a long time ago named Charles Spurgeon. And he wrote this quote that I thought was really powerful. It says, let us be less inquisitive and more practical, less for cracking doctrinal puzzles, and more for bringing forth the bread of life to the starving multitudes. Knowledge won't change people's lives. lives. Experience does. Because people can argue till they're blue in the face, knowledge, 
They can argue whether God is real. They can argue whether or not what this book says is true. But they cannot argue the real, miraculous, authentic experience that you had with God. They cannot argue with this man that he was blind, now he sees. It's just evident. He could see. He had been changed. A miracle had occurred. In your life, the only thing people can't argue is what God has done in your life, how God has moved and restored things and helped you get through things because he truly is a good God. So if that's the only thing people can't doubt or argue against, I cannot stay silent about it. I can't be quiet about it. It's like the very first verse we read. They said, the only thing you can't do, you got to stop talking about Jesus. You can do everything else, but you can't talk about Jesus. The thing is, the only reason all this other stuff happens is because of Jesus. The only reason we're forgiven and set free, healed and made whole, making a difference, dreaming big with our life, living for others and serving others is just because of the example that we've seen in our Savior, Jesus. It has always been Jesus. It starts and ends with Him. We're celebrating that not only this week, but in our life, that it is Jesus that we can't stay quiet about. You want to overcome in your life? Know Jesus and tell people about Him. Don't be afraid. Know that when you share, it proves that you care and you overcome the power of the enemy in your life. You are this now. You can see. What I love about this story, as John 9 closes, the last person that steps into this man's life is Jesus. Shows back up. Says, hey, I know people have been grilling you on who I am. And I know you've experienced this miracle. The thing is, this miracle is only for your physical body. This miracle is only going to help you see. I've come to set you free in your spirit and soul. I've come to forgive you and let you know who you are. I've come to save not only your life here on this earth, but your eternity as well. Do you want to know who I am? And of course, the man's simple response was, yes, I want to know you more and deeper than any way that I possibly can. Not be, notice he doesn't say, yeah, because you made me see, I want to know you. No, because you're the last one here, I want to know you. Because I can see that you care for me. You're sharing about who you are with me. And I just want to surrender my life to you. That's what it's about. That's why we give you door hangers, give you invite cards, give you yard signs for your yard. Not because we want our name to get out there, but because we know if people walk into this place next week, they're going to have an opportunity to meet Jesus. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be amazing. But the most important thing is that the power of God is going to be in the room. And there are friends and family members, people that you are going to come in contact with this week that are desperately hungry for a moment and experience with God, for a fresh moment with Jesus, and you can give that to them. You can give that to them today. Yeah. Thanks for waking everybody up, Taj. That's good. We need that to know that today, right? It's not a have to, it's a get to. To know that when someone sits in that seat next to you, that they walked in one way, and they walk out a new way. I promise you, you can be a little selfish and say, man, that's because of my invite. I didn't save him, but my invite got him here. That's what God wants to see in your, in your life. Otherwise, why would Revelations 12, 11 exist? We've overcome by the power of Jesus and the word of our testimony. How God has taken our mess and turned it into a message of life. Thank you so much for joining us on The Local Podcast. 
I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to local church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to local.church give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.